so strange but appealing. Welcome to the Bump Shop Diaries. Join us, perhaps you may want to listen to a Bump Shop story. Man, it's getting really late. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Look at Jinx in the corner, so fucking drunk he can't walk. Bro Boots has been trying to score with that dancing broad all goddamn night. The lucky bastard will end up getting laid while I get to go home with a hard cock and a sore ass. Well, what the hell, one more brew and I'll get it on. How many times have all of us been in or known about a situation like the one just described? Pretty fucking often. But the story has an ending that happens all over the country every weekend and maybe more often than that. Somewhere between the beginning and the end of that last brew, a shot rings out. At once, every bro in the joint is straight. Panic takes the place of blood as it races through the veins of every outlaw in the building. A quick head count shows a bro is missing, and a search finds him face down in the alley next to the building. One of his brothers moves to help him. I'm okay. Get them motherfuckers. A pickup is seen and heard leaving rubber all over the street. Too late to chase them, he goes back to help his bro. The guy Boots is dead. Who did it? No one ever found out. The chick had set Boots up with two dudes who told her that they were old friends of his and wanted to surprise him. Tough surprise. But why did it happen? At the time of this shooting, this particular club was at war with a rival club. What about? If you were to ask any one of them, not one could give a good reason. Chances are that the whole thing comes down to a difference in patches. It rattles the fuck out of my head every time I try to figure out why outlaws refuse to live together with their own kind. Notice that I didn't say why they can't live together, because if the motherfuckers gave it an honest effort, they could. They refuse to. Why not sit down sometime and burn a little brain matter over the subject? All of us have the same hassle as the rest. All of us live the same life. We're all bros. Do you have any idea of what we could accomplish if all of us pulled together and worked on solving the shit that's put on us by non-scooter people? The helmet laws could be wiped off the books in no time. We wouldn't have to ride around with our headlights on all damn day. And best of all, when outlaws had a legitimate bitch against each other, it could be settled without burning bikes or worse, killing people of our own kind. It's common knowledge to just about all bikers that the outlaw thing started around the end of World War II. At that time, outlaws were few and far between. They were just what the American Motorcycle Association dubbed them. One percent of the motorcycle population. Today, the whole story has changed. I don't know the exact figures, but we are at least 25% of that same population. You don't have to belong to a club to qualify as an outlaw. There are many who ride alone but live the outlaw life. And what the hell exactly is this outlaw life? Mine is only one opinion, but I think it fits pretty well. The outlaw of today doesn't go around robbing banks and all that other Jesse James shit. He's a biker who lives outside of society's rut. Most have long hair, wear an earring, dress in dirty jeans, consume large amounts of alcoholic beverages, use four-letter words often, and last but not least, ride machines that are not accepted as the safest vehicles around. Now don't get too tense if you don't fit any or all of the description I've just given. Many don't, and yet live and think like outlaws. To get back to the many who ride alone but live the outlaw life, why don't they join clubs and ride with people they can relate to? Well, I've been with three clubs as a full member and am now prez of my own club, so I know that I'm suited for club life. But I also know that there are many who are leery about joining. 
for a number of reasons. There are always the rumors of the things a prospect must do to prove himself. Many of them are true. A lot of clubs are guilty of going overboard in the raising of a prospect. When word gets out about how a prospect was treated, it will discourage any new members who might have been thinking about joining. Of course, you have to be sure about who you let in, but there's no reason to humiliate another biker or make a fool out of him in front of his woman. Then there are club wars. Such a war is probably the biggest single reason for a dude not joining any club. Not because he's gutless, necessarily, either. We all know at least one non-clubber who has a whole shitload of heart. Maybe one of you has tried to get him to join your club and couldn't figure out why he always backed away from your invitation. To most of us, our scooters mean our freedom. When we ride, we ride to party, have a good time, or raise a little hell with our bros. How the fuck can anyone have any kind of a good time if he has to keep a constant watch over his shoulder, look at every stranger as if the dude were about to stab him in the back, or remember not to get too drunk in case of a fight? It can't be done. The outlaw world is growing every day and changing, and we, the members of this world, will have to grow and change with it or wipe each other out. Everyone will agree that it's not one of the best ways to spend a Saturday at a bro's funeral or helping to rebuild a burnt scooter. The next time you run across another biker, look past the patch. Look at the man. He's your brother, too. Join us, perhaps you. May want to listen to a bump shop story. New and vintage merch available at bumpshopbackroom.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bump Shop Diaries. I appreciate you listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend to tell a friend. Post it in your story. Copy the link. Send it in a DM on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Uh, just trying to get some more earballs on the podcast. If this is your first Bump Shop Diaries episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to some previous stories. I think starting at episode 5 is when I started doing these story-style episodes, and I enjoy them. They're interesting, they're fun to do, fun to produce. Uh, this is the first episode where I didn't do the narration. Didn't have a lot of time, and it was just easier to have my main man run do it the story you heard today was called we're all bros written in 1976 by the president of the chosen few mc who was the president i don't know you'll have to send this to outlaw archives that dude probably knows or maybe do a little bit more googling than i did or if you know a member ask them i'm sure they'll know or they'll figure out how to know and they'll tell you and if you find out shoot me a dm with the name and if we can put a picture with it i think that'd be fucking sick it'd be cool to put a picture with the with the dude who wrote the words you know um i thought the story had a great sediment that i don't think that's the right word i think that's what you find at the bottom of a river it had a great theme obviously it was about outlaw mc culture in the 70s but i just think it's a universal theme that can apply to just regular society today you know it's like we're all bros but we let this you know these insignificant ignorant little fucking differences distract us from the bigger picture you know and we just argue over dumb shit and i think we have a lot more in common than we have differences and 
You know? It, it's basically what the story is. It's we're all bros, dude. Like, everybody just needs to chill out and fucking realize, like, we got a lot more power working together than against each other. And, you know, I'm no rocket philosopher by any means, but, uh... It's like these little arguments are allowing the wool to be pulled over our eyes like we're taking a sweater off in the Arctic, you know what I mean? And and I just think the story uh, applies perfectly to what's going on today. You got, like, there's always two different sides to shit, and it's just they argue and then nothing really gets done, or it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grace, like the small amount of people who are crying and whining loudest... Somehow they, they get what what they want. It's just, it's fucking, it's mind-boggling. And, you know, obviously this podcast is not a political fucking science podcast. But I think, I think this story can apply to that. I think it can apply to a lot of aspects of people's lives. A lot of aspects of people's lives. And, you know, I just think it was fucking... It was a good listen, so I hope you fucking enjoyed it. Um, it was a little bit of a shorter podcast, and that's because it is deer season in Michigan. The day you're listening to this is opening day. I will be sitting in the woods all day, and it's going to be awesome, even though I filled both my buck tags. And let me tell you what, tree bark assassin, they don't call me that for nothing. I'm telling you, Sunday morning... Had a doe behind me, had some noise in front of me. I look, boom, here comes a nice eight point. He's coming. Ten yards from me, stops, and just stares at me in the tree, and I'm just dead still. I'm just not moving. And if you're sitting in a tree stand of a big, you know, I don't know if that's a walnut tree. I forget which which tree that stands on. But anyway, if you're sitting in front of a nice-sized tree that's a little bit wider than your body, I'm telling you, tree bark is the pattern. I actually, I did a whole tree bark. There's a whole conspiracy with tree bark that's pretty interesting. I did it as an intro on the Crazy Gentleman podcast. Maybe we'll do a little bonus episode, and I'll just pull that audio. And I think I did two parts. I think maybe I'll just put it in one part, and we'll drop that, too. Um... There's a whole weird conspiracy that happened with tree bark, which is nuts. It's no longer a pattern, although Carhartt Whip did use it a few years ago for their... Carhartt used it for their whip line, which is like a European work in progress, and it's really runway fashion Carhartt, which is fucking insane for a kid who grew up and lives in Michigan when it Carhartt was just like straight up farmer's clothes like i used to go to school in carhartt and feel like i was the poor kid you know it's it's just crazy how that shit has changed um i'm getting so off topic and now at, at this point i've just been rambling so i have no idea what i've actually said um i know this comes out opening day and i'll be sitting in the woods and i'll be wearing tree bark And if you want to wear some tree bark, you can find some on eBay or you can find it on bumpshopbackroom.com or maybe you can find it in your dad's closet. I don't know. They don't make it anymore. Um, But I'm telling you, it's the truth. I got a jacket up on the website. I think it's reversible, extra large. If you don't want to buy it, that's fine. Maybe one day I'll fit into it myself. 
um, super heavyweight, good cold weather jacket, uh, and then a vest, which is more of a fall pattern because it's the like tree bark 2.0 with the leaves in it. But if you're sitting in a big tree, I just there's no better pattern. Or if you're walking through hard woods and you're walking slowly and you're standing still, I mean, you absolutely disappear. I can't tell you how many times when you know we were doing like deer drives and shit like that or had walkie talkies and i'd be walking the wood edge of a river or something and they'd be like where the fuck did you go i'm like dude i'm staring right at you and they're like you disappear in that tree bark and uh i probably shouldn't talk about tree bark at all really because i want it all for me i have totes and totes and doubles and triples I'm like the dude from I Think You Should Leave. Like, triples is best. Like, I got triples of the t-shirt. I got triples of the jacket. Triples of the pants. Um, you know, I just like... It's it's like a weird obsession. You can't have enough. I got the gloves. I got the hat. I got, I got it. Do you need it? I got it. Not really, because I only listed two things that I was like, all right, I guess I'll sell these. So go check those out. Uh, basically, Doe Patrol for gun season, you know? Just be cutting up some meat, hopefully plugging some does, putting some more meat in the freezer, making some of the best jerky that I've ever made, because each year it seems like it's better and better, and uh, hopefully taking the little man out and getting him his first deer. We weren't successful during the uh, weekend they give you for youth hunt, but... We're going to get him back out there and hopefully uh, get him his first deer, man. I'm so stoked for that. Like, that's more fun for me, like, to try and get him a deer than it is, like, killing my own. Um, Just trying to pass that tradition on, you know. I think that's important. I think it's fucking cool. And even if you don't hunt, I think you should go buy a tree stand and go sit in the woods. You will hear some of the craziest noises. You will see some of the weirdest shit. I mean, I could do two hours or more on just the strange things I've heard and seen in the woods just sitting there quietly. But, uh... Yeah, so uh, I'm going to wrap this up. As always, check out BumpShopBackroom.com. We got the fresh new design, the chopper whitetail t-shirt. We got the big buck riding the chopper with the hunter strapped to the back. We got one other new design that I'm going to say is out now. Hopefully, I did put it out. And we're always updating just different vintage things. So you will always probably, if you go to the website once a week there will probably be a couple new things up there listed so um just sold a few different things off there so you know you snooze you lose or whatever the saying is but uh yeah hope you enjoyed this episode please share it out trying to push the podcast and other than that i'm headed to the woods dripping in tree bark enjoy bumpshopbackroom.com